welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Lindsay Sharman. She is the host of Rogue Ways, a podcast a bit similar to mine. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's excellent to be here and to meet you, Gary. And um, I'm excited for your excellent audience to be a part of this as well. So thank you. It's the largest audience in the world. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) So what got you inspired to do this type of work? Wow. Um, Well, I, I really feel my whole life was leading to this, you know, um, as, as trite as that may sound, I found one day that, you know, I was listening to podcasts for hmm, probably about 10 years at the time, a couple years, about three years ago. Um, and some of my favorites, if you, if you listen to Rogue Ways or watch Rogue Ways, you'll, you'll recognize the influences, but, uh, the higher side chats, Freeman Fly and Mysterious Universe were the three that I just couldn't get enough of. Right. And my whole life I've been involved with and, um, connected with paranormal and fringe and all sorts of things. So that was already a, a passion before I discovered podcasts. And after about 10 years of listening to them um, and being a teacher, I realized it would be very easy for me to do a podcast. In fact, it would be super fun. It would probably be one of the most fun things I've ever done. Um, you know, if you think about the job of a, of a host, it's almost identical to what I consider to be a good teacher, at least. Uh, which is someone who will present information but help you think critically too, right, by asking the good questions. Um, so a good interviewer would be a good teacher. Uh, you know, if you want to manage a classroom full of children, that's a different story. <laughs> but just the teacher as, you know, the archetype mm-hmm. and what the actual um, energy and effect and intent should be, they were dovetailed perfectly. Um, so it was really interesting how it fell together like that. Um, but really what brought me to it was a series of synchronicities and, and life trans- transforming changes <laughs> that I really feel I was invited to do this and, and called to do it as well. And so um, it's a bit of a spiritual journey for me at the same time as, you know, a mm-hmm. practical and enjoyable passion. Hmm. So let's start from the beginning. What got you into this paranormal kind of stuff as a kid? I, you know, the more I I go and kind of dive into what my childhood was really all about, the more I realize I was always interacting with and receiving information from and communicating with what people would call, you know, guides or allies or whatnot. But I had no idea that that was happening at all. It was just life. Um, And I would just go out wandering by myself and I would learn about the world observation I thought and I think that is a big part of it is being observant and and still Uh, but I look back now and I see that the imaginary friends I had are the same as my guides that I have now and that's no accident 
Um, and they were always showing me things and teaching me things and helping me see things in different ways. And I just didn't realize. I just thought that this was normal or, you know, it just wasn't a question in my mind. Uh, so you may say that it started there. Um, I also had a really exceptionally traumatic childhood. I grew up in, in really deep poverty and uh, a lot of alcohol abuse and fighting and, you know, just uh, unstable home and we didn't always have food. And so a lot of people look at the common denominator for a lot of people who become sort of uh, spiritual or involved in the paranormal or have experiences and see that there so happens to be almost always severe trauma that happened as well. Um, you know, and for some people, that's a reason to dismiss it. They say, oh, you suffered trauma. And so everything you experience is a delusion, which is really weird to me. Um, but some people have that perspective. Uh, and others think, you know, something about the trauma and, and growing through it makes you more sensitive, more open, or, you know, that you had to sort of reach deeper and find a spiritual center and that that then therefore made you more connected to some of these things. And I'm not sure, you know, which it is. They're all interesting questions. Uh, but I also start to wonder some days, maybe just everyone experienced trauma and it has nothing to do with, there is no common denominator. That's right. just what life is. So um, yeah, life is traumatic. Uh, right. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, wonder if that's not necessarily a part of it, but um, when I was young, as a lot of uh, kids who are going through puberty seemed to experience, I started experiencing poltergeist like activity. Uh, what I now call wogies, which are, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, UFOs, um, but they would communicate with me uh, telepathically. Um, and I started having all kinds of really intense experiences and, and really um, dark, some of them, some of them really dark and demonic seeming attacks. Uh, and I just thought I was insane. Uh, I just, <laughs> I just, well, yeah, I'm crazy. And the rest of my life, I'll be crazy. And eventually they'll realize it. I'll stick me in a you know, a sane asylum and um, that'll be the end of me. And oh, well, uh, you know, that's, that's life, I guess. And then I slowly started finding, no, a lot of, in fact, other other people or, or my dog in some cases or other beings were experiencing these things too. And so it wasn't just me and it wasn't delusion. And, um, you know, I started getting sort of verifiable, you know, evidence that maybe I'm not crazy. Actually, some of this mm -hmm. seems like it's really happening. And then I had to wonder, well, then what is all this? What is happening? Like, what is this world? And why doesn't everyone care? Why are people, in fact, almost seemingly constantly shying away from it and avoiding any of these topics? It's very interesting to me. You know, denial is a thick and heavy drug. And I think most of the world is deep in denial in, in many ways. And for whatever reason, um, you know, people like yourself and me and, and probably a lot of your listeners are in much less denial at least mm -hmm. and therefore able to see and experience some of these things that I don't think are very special actually. I think they're everywhere all the time and I think anyone can experience and probably most people just like trauma right. <laughs> have experienced a lot of these things so uh, hopefully that answers your question about where it all started. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, you know I've always had two different theories on people who experience the paranormal differently than normal people. You know, one is maybe, you know, the individuals have like a, are lacking a filter that other people have. Or I've also saw a recent study that a lot of people that have had UFO experiences have a more active part of their brain, which is also interesting because this, I mean, a lot of evidence now is starting to prove that the, 
Brady is acting more as a receiver rather than a data bank. Um, do you think that either of those theories are plausible? Yeah, the receiver. I think they even kind of can go together, right? If Absolutely. To receive, Why not? Yeah, right. If you're able to receive that information, your brain is able to access it. You you do have less of a filter because uh, again, brains are brains, and not everyone can access all of theirs or use all of theirs. We see, uh, but you know that makes a lot of sense to me. And like you said, consciousness being uh, you're a receiver for this consciousness. Um, you know, that, that, that some people just have that um, or have practiced it or, or whatever. But I really connects with my experience of these UFOs because, like I said, they communicate telepathically. And um, I'm not saying I can always understand them telepathically, but they clearly can understand 100% of what I mm -hmm. just think at them. I'm not an expert psychic who's sending them messages in some way that I've practiced. I can just think, well, hello, how are you tonight? <laughs> and I'll like react, right? Or I can ask a question and they'll react. And I think actually they're probably like the equivalent of screaming at me most of the time. Uh -huh. And I'm just like, la, la, la. Like I can't <laughs> receive it as clearly. And it's, it's fascinating to talk to people who are much more psychic and can more easily receive those messages. But luckily some things do get through. Um, hmm. But I do think that that is how these entities naturally function or right. us it's like a special ability or it's something you work at something you develop or are born with and to them like this is just how you communicate why would you communicate any other way there is no more efficient way to communicate right you know that kind of brings reminds me of the whole um ce5 type of thing and um i had actually tried to get steve greer on my show and he said he wouldn't do it but i always have the second pass who was Preston Dennett. <laughs> and, yeah. and and Preston suggested to me one like I'd never saw a UFO. He goes, Good, just go outside and, and just put it out there. Say you want to see one. And I did it. And uh one night I was outside doing it and I see the plane fly by and I see this other thing moving in the sky. And it was moving straight though. So I kind of said, Oh, maybe it's just a satellite. And then all of a sudden it just veered off in a complete opposite direction and disappeared. <laughs> so so now I don't question the um that consciousness has something to do with these extraterrestrials and that their technology is not limited to just physical hardware. They somehow have probably integrated that with their consciousness. Do you think that's true? I will go one further and say I have no evidence they're even in a ship or have any technology of any kind and that they're not just literally entities of consciousness and, and presence of some kind that we might call angelic, demonic, ghostly, mm -hmm. or whatever else, right? Some other phenomenon. Um, because I've seen them change shape and form in daylight and in night, you know, and change direction and do things that are beyond possible in physics. Like, for example, change from one bright light to a scattering across the entirety of the sky of uh, millions of lights. Uh, well, millions is probably more, but you know, hundreds maybe, mm -hmm. <laughs> just like a sparkle. Um, and that, how would a ship ever do that, right? And, um, and maybe we just don't understand the, the physics and there is a physical ship and, they, and I'm totally open to that. But mm -hmm. I, I have never had a shred of evidence that there's anything physical going on there. I have had lots of evidence that this level of consciousness is what we might call spirit, right? Or spiritual. But I also 
acknowledge that uh, what's that quote, you know, that famous quote, it's like anything sufficiently advanced would seem like magic or spirit to us. Mm. <laughs> so it, it could be um, either or both in some way that we just don't understand. Right. So how about yourself? Would you consider yourself a physical, biological entity? Or would you consider yourself an ethereal being? Since there is no proof that we actually physically exist. <laughs> well, it's at like the core level, even scientifically, we don't, right? We're just right. vibrating energy. And this, this is how we perceive it and feel it and sense it. And that means almost nothing, right? At the level of consciousness. It makes no sense. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I say for the sake of, um, you know, being effective, I, I acknowledge a body and that, and I call it physical and we have these words and, you know, it, and we understand what it means. Um, but, but at the true core of myself, when I, when I consider like, what am I, you know, uh, no, I'm not a body at all. In fact, the body is just a tool. If anything, like you said, the brain is the receiver of consciousness and the consciousness of anything is me. Um, and anyone who's had out-of-body experiences or lucid dreams or near-death or anything like that knows this mm -hmm. internally like they know it They're like oh i'm not a body at all i've been out of my body and i've still been exactly all the things that i am i've still had all the same perceptions you even have your senses and there's some meditations that work with this idea um you know that that beyond death and beyond your body you still have your five senses why why can you still see hear taste feel right if, if those are physical sensations, why can you experience them outside of the body? And so, um, and so you can work with, uh, uh, energetically if you want to, but it's, it's fascinating to consider that. Cause I think we, I think those are the things that convince us most concretely that we are a body. And then therefore even delude some people further to think I'm only a body and it's all chemical and it's all just electric, you know, impulses. And that's all I am. Um, is, is things like our senses. They convince us like, well, this is what I'm experiencing. So this is real. Well, it's not not real. It's just that this is just one way of experiencing that. Uh, and you're clearly something beyond that. So I, I do know that I am not a body truly in essence, that my body is just my tool that I'm using for now. It's a beautiful tool. It's amazing. It's hmm. very miraculous. <laughs> so you've had an out of body experience. What was I it have. like? What happened? Um, the first time that I can remember it happening, I, I kind of sat up on my bed and I looked around and I didn't really notice anything that different, but looking back, I can see some of the signs that people say, uh, are, are, are kind of ubiquitous and out of body experiences, such as there is no light source, but everything is lit almost like from within, like you can just see mm -hmm. everything and things like that. But I, at the time was definitely not noticing that I was just sitting on my bed and then I, um, looked and I saw my body in my bed and I was like, well, this is a weird dream then because it seems like reality. I mean, it seems exactly like reality. <laughs> like I can't tell that I'm dreaming at all. And I was like, this is actually really crazy. And then I'm like, wait, if I'm sitting here looking at my body, what am I? And I looked down and I saw I was just a string of glowing balls. And I had never ever in my life, this is probably 94. I had never, we didn't really have the internet my household didn't have like spiritual books or whatever. Like I had no, never heard of uh, chakras at all. I had no idea that that existed, but I looked down and I saw this string of colored balls. And I, again, I wouldn't remember now like what order they were in or what color, but I'm pretty sure they would be in that same color order, right? Like 
So I looked down and saw the colored balls and I was like, well, this is crazy. I was like, I wonder if I can move. And I was like, how would I move if I don't have arms and legs? It was all very, you know, in my head about it. Otherwise, it maybe would have been a much cooler experience. But I, I thought, oh, maybe I just uh, like go that way. I just like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going to push myself that way somehow. And I flew so fast in the direction I was heading. And then I started tumbling out of control and I didn't know how to stop and that uh ended the experience i went straight back to my body and woke up and like that is the weirdest dream i've ever had i didn't know what out-of-body experiences were i didn't know what chakras were i didn't know what any of it was i was like i just thought that was a very crazy dream because i'm prone to very crazy dreams and very intense sleeping and (laughs) i've always had that so it wasn't that weird to have a a really weird dream took me many years before i realized oh that was an out-of-body experience and i saw my chakras (laughs) So, so have you practiced that since then? Like, have you sought out to repeat having out-of-body experiences? I have definitely sought it. And I've definitely had uh, handfuls more since then. Um, and I and I, it's been upsetting. And a lot of people have this experience, too, that it's become less and less common. And, and, and I wonder why. Like, oh, shouldn't we be getting better and better at these types of things? And um, I finally had... You know, I do my own spiritual healing and ceremony and I have my own gifts. Um, and a lot of times we have blind spots to ourselves and a lot of times other people are more gifted in, in different areas. So I always got the feeling there's a reason why it wasn't happening for me or why I wasn't remembering it, at least. Um, you know, and I know that I do a lot of what I call dream work, which is spiritual work in the dream realm on behalf of, of others, myself and, and whoever. And so, and I can remember a lot of that, but it's not lucid. It's not out of body, really. Or it doesn't feel that way uh, in my memory. And and uh, I had a psychic, a couple psychics who have told me without prompting, um, you're grounded. It's not a punishment. Grounded as in you're being held down here for a reason. Um, and one of them said, uh, if, if you are allowed to go, you would. And so we don't let you go. Um, so I don't know if that's the reason or not, but it makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time lamenting my presence here on Earth. <laughs> um, and so I understand that, like, yeah, I would go everywhere but back to my body, I think, if I were out now. Um, so I think I had those experiences to teach me, to show me, to prove to me that there's much more going on than materialist science generally admits, because I'm a very otherwise rational science-minded skeptical person and so i have to prove it to myself beyond all shadow of a doubt before i will accept something um and so i think that's part of why i had those experiences and then didn't often repeat them Uh, and i i will feel it i will go into deep meditation and i will start to leave my body and i will get pushed back down (laughs) and Mm. woken up so um there's definitely some correlation some support of that those psychic impulses that i've been that have been shared with me about why i'm not um, you know, out and about every night. Hmm. Yeah, I understand. I've had an out-of-body experience, too, a real intense one, and I didn't want to come back to my body. And I'm still kind of pissed off that I'm back in my body. I know. And, I relate. And, and I'm sure I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to get out of it because mm-hmm. the only thing that my body is really good for it's like sex. That's the only pleasure I get out of having a freaking body, you know? The rest is just pain and maintenance. Yeah, it's <laughs> yes. a bunch of BS. <laughs> I don't remember signing up for this. I think I got I tricked. Have, 
I know. Well, I feel very similarly, but I, I know I have this deep compassion and that I came here for, you know, to help people and myself um, grow and, and learn and release from all kinds of delusion and chains. And so I'm, I'm down for that ride, but I had another experience that was um, very similar to out of body, but it was uh, very spiritual and it was um, very immersive and all encompassing and, and I, it's beyond my ability to really describe it. Uh, but it was at night and it was um, in deep meditation and I went into sort of a dreamlike space and I had uh, and I and I met God uh, <laughs> and I really don't think you know that there's all these things we can say what is God well it's this it's this it's this, it's this well it's all these things right and and the true source of all things I don't think is very knowable and I think I would really call that God like the ultimate God God is would be like the source like what was the source of emanation of all phenomena in this universe um, well that's what I would call source or God but this was like God it was like the energy of God the mm -hmm. love of God and the presence of God in an amount that humans can handle, right? Or our souls can handle, whatever that means. Uh, and it was the best experience I've ever had in my life. Um, I'm 40. I still have not topped this experience since then. This was about when I was 33, I want to say. It was a handful of years ago. Um, and I was with God and I was so delighted. I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is the best. <laughs> I was like a little kid at Christmas. I was like, okay, what about this? Tell me about this. Tell me about that. And I could ask any question I wanted. And the questions I was asking were so like me when I was like five, mm -hmm. you know, like you just become a child. And I was like, did you, are you the reason why art happens? Are you the inspiration for Michelangelo's works? And yep, I am. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. And the whole time I was being cradled like a baby, which was so beautiful. And so like, oh my God, this is the best feeling ever. The light that was surrounding me was just pure joy, pure love. And you can't, those words don't even come close because we have never experienced in this life, pure joy or pure love. We've been like really joyful, but our foot still hurts. Or we've been really, really loved, but you're also like really angry about this thing that happened, you know, and we just don't have those experiences. So to experience this very directly and fully was just amazing and when I was told it was time to go I was already starting to become very sad uh, even in that presence and I said well one more thing can you just is there a way for me to see my dog my dog died when I was you know 20 or so and it's like the most heartbreaking he's my best friend you know <laughs> just for years and for over a decade and I really love him he's like my soulmate I was like can I just see my dog one more time and and he was like yeah you can and I uh, woke up and thought, and I heard something in my living room and I got out of bed and I walked out to my living room and my dog was standing there and I was like, oh, and I hugged him and I felt his hair and I cried and I was real. And then I woke up actually, and I ran out to the living room and he wasn't there and I wasn't being helped by God. And I just started crying. I was like, this world sucks. Like, there is nothing good here. And that was the best experience I could have ever had, both meeting God, asking him anything, feeling that loved, and then seeing my dog after all these years. And then I come back to this. Mm. Um, and so there's, there is something that is that I relate to about not being able to have those experiences all the time or being able to leave your body whenever you want, because there are things that are so much better than this. Um, they're so much more enjoyable, less painful, and less slow, and just bodies are just so, ugh, they're heavy and they're thick. Um, 
and that's why they're a good tool for here. But damn, I would stay there forever. I would have never come back. I would have stayed with my dog forever. I would have stayed with God forever. It's beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was really beautiful. And, you know, they, they, they say the corresponding, however high you can go, you can go that dark too and that deep. And uh, I really feel like it was something like that. Like I, there was no way to not be depressed after that high. I spent the day crying and I don't, <laughs> luckily I was with someone at the time who had some understanding of spiritual, you know, experiences. Otherwise I think, again, I would have just seemed insane. Like, oh, you had a dream about your dog and now you can't stop crying for two days. And I'm like, I, yes, I, that is what happened basically. But but no, it was real. Mm. Um, and it's just that heartbreaking to come back from something so good. You ever question why then God has created such a dense place as this? I think we created it, honestly. I think that, uh, you know, there's, I think God is literally just the source of all things. And whatever emanated from the source of all things was at first probably the fastest, highest level energy, you know, plasma and ether and these things. And, and there's like a condensation that happens and it's all consciousness, right? 100% of everything, clouds, air, this computer, you know, my coffee, like it's all, it's all got consciousness at some level. It's just the steps, um, the degrees of removal or the degrees of condensation or you know, how slow the energy becomes or whatever, right? And the uh, consciousness as it's descending this sort of ladder of, of energy and becoming more and more dense and slow, um, it doesn't have any, it, it doesn't have any reason not to, right? So we are pure consciousness and that's never destroyed. So there's no harm in doing any of this. And you, again, we came here for a reason, even knowing that we could just sit with God all day and talk about art or whatever. <laughs> be with whoever we wanted to for all the time and we still came here so there's something we get out of it or enjoy about it um and and it is just much more slow and dense and i think really when it comes down to it is god didn't do that to us god was like you're all consciousness go do whatever you want and here we are manifesting anything we want it's just pure free will and we chose it and i think eventually you watch even a child right if you're like okay here's a room full of toys do whatever you want and at first they might just like play nicely and whatever. And eventually they might take something and just be like jamming it into someone else's head. Like you're like, okay, whoa, no, here's something we need to intervene. Um, free will is amazing and beautiful. And then we also uh, would love for people to not use it to uh, harm themselves unintentionally or destroy mm. each other. And so I think some of us came here to help children learn how to not bash toys into each other's head. Um, and that some of us have been those children not knowing, not understanding that when you hit someone in the head with this toy, that it really actually hurts and that it's going to hurt you too when you understand it. Um, you know, and that, uh, so there's, there's free will, I think. And I think we co-collectively create all of this together because of that. And I actually think free will is the best possible tool for helping consciousness to understand, uh, the enormity and the complexity of every single aspect of existence, which you couldn't otherwise do unless you were still one with that source and what we would call God that already understands all of it because it is all of it. And it's still at that like highest purest state that we wouldn't even be able to describe. Do you think that once we reach that evolutionary point where we are, have complete understanding of all existence, that we ourselves become God and start creating our own 
universes and life forms and consciousness? I think there's nothing that is God that is outside of God. And everything is God outside of God, <laughs> as much as that can make sense. So like this source point or node or space or whatever, that's indescribable, literally. It's, it's not, it's ineffable. It cannot understand it. We can't describe it. We can't be it. We are not it. But we are made of it, and we are made only of it. Consciousness is from it. All matter is from it. That is, is God. And so um, we're choosing to have certain experiences, and there is always consequence to that in a material world, in this universe of emanation. And so uh, cause and effect just exist. And that's just, that's just a fundamental aspect of this place. And so we call it karma. And we say, you know, if you do this, uh, here's the consequence. It's not a punishment. It's just if you have a lighter and you hold it to a leaf, it's going to burn. But that's karma, right? Um, and and we can you can go on into eternity about what karma, act, how it plays out and why it plays out. But I think the more you start to see and understand as a being of free will with your own, you know, little chunk of consciousness here that's sort of pretending to break off from the whole, you can start to see the, the effects of your causes and you can start to see which ones you really love and want more of and which you don't, um, that you start to sort of purify um, and become faster and faster in a way. And you start to reascend that ladder that you descended on purpose because you chose to because it's fun. Uh, and so like, oh, okay, well, here's all of the, here's every possible thing I could have done or said or experienced or touched or tasted or whatever. And here's all of the effects of those. And now I know, no one had to tell me, I know them, right? Just like me and my skepticism and having to live my life and, and experience to actually find out for sure what is true. Um, it's the same, I think, on the soul level for, for most consciousnesses most of the time. And so, um, and so we're kind of reascending and it's not, again, it's not a punishment and it's not like a sentence, like, oh, you have to go until you learn this. It's like, no, you chose to <laughs> come and figure out for yourself, like, what is it all about? What is it like? And, um, and in that, there's this beauty where when you leave, just like a rebellious teenager, you go running into the, the abyss or whatever, and you're like, oh, what is all this? And then you sink into it and you have all these experiences and they're crazy. Some of them are horrible and some of us do horrible things and some of us experience horrible things. Some of them are great and beautiful, and wonderful. And then again, as you're going, just like a teenager, you start to see, oh, you know, my mom was right. I probably should save some money sometimes so I don't get into these situations where I can't pay my rent. Um, or whatever, right? And as a soul, you're doing that, and it's and it's beautiful because it's always leading you right back to source. 100% of the things that you're experiencing and doing, and the causes and the effects, and all of this that you're gathering, brings you right back to that realization. And some people rebel against it longer and harder, but they're really just rebelling against themselves. Like you've literally chosen and created 100% of this yourself, and at any time you could also step back and be like, oh, I understand. <laughs> I don't have to be very attached to this and I can start to uplift. And then you start to have these amazing experiences that some people would call miracles or impossible or, you know, spirit, spiritual. And then you start to see oh, it really was always here. It really was never, ever distant. It wasn't ever separate from me. Uh, and I've never been separate from it. It was all just my creations and my illusions and my delusions and um, that, that created the, um, the feel of separateness or the idea that this was somehow a trap or a punishment or hard or bad. Um, 
which is not to say that we don't suffer, but you know, I, I see it like that. It's this full circle that you do and you come back. So I don't think you necessarily become God because that source can't be anything but the source that is eternal and ever present and unknowable. But I think you get higher and higher, so to speak. There's no judgment in it. It's not necessarily better than this. This is different. Um, but you get purer and purer and you get closer and closer back to that source. And I do believe at some point it would probably feel godlike, and that that presence that I was with that I called God you know, that's a pretty high up there presence, like has a pretty powerful uh, and pure sort of energy consciousness and, and presence. And I called it God. Uh, and I think it had a lot of what we would attribute, you know, the powers and abilities of a God. Um, but I don't I don't know if you want to differentiate between that and like the source, which mm -hmm. is what I really want to call God, like with a big G. Hmm. So you kind of believe in the process of extension? I, yeah, I really, <laughs> I really get um, hung up on like new age words because the new age movement has been so disappointing for me. And most everything that I do and think in my spiritual work and my everything has come directly through experience and not from, you know, books and movements and gurus and things. And so, um, and so I come to the, a lot of the same conclusions by different pathways. And, and then when I look at how similar it is to these words that they use, I get angry. I'm like, oh, God, it is ascension, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I guess if you uh, could call it that. I just get wary because there's so much distraction and corruption and ego and just garbage in what people would call the New Age movement. For me, um, that's what I see a lot of. But we could say that about anything, so I don't know why I get hung up about it. I mean, it's true. I, I get hung the up the whole world. Me too, yeah. though. I have sort of the same, <laughs> the same issue. I get concerned that people are, and especially in the new age, are, are selling something that um, they don't completely. They're not aware of what it is they're actually peddling. Yes. You know, they're just trying to profit and is ego-driven rather than heart-driven. I guess that's yeah. what concerns me the most. Yeah. And I think it's funny because we we have to sort of let go of that and remember, again, everyone has free will and they're going to get out of this whatever they need to get out of it. But it's so disappointing, I think, for people like us who see that and feel it to know, like, oh, no, there's a lot more pure paths and people and things that you can choose if you're really you know, trying to um, uplift yourself and to, to understand yourself at, at the deepest levels than some of these egotistical, shallow, you know, things. And, and it also gets very disappointing when things are very trendy, you know, for people to be like, oh, yeah, I had, I had my Kundalini awakened, like in, in 2016. And now I'm just awakened. I'm like, oh, this is that's not how it goes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like you had a Kundalini awakening, maybe. I'm not sure if anyone knows what that means anymore because people just throw it around like willy nilly. And then to think that you're done now is this huge, like hubris. I'm always so shocked. I'm like, you think that you awakened and you're like an ascended master now? Or what? Are you floating around? Like, can you, you know, can you change the weather with a thought or like, mm -hmm. what do you think is actually happening? It's so cool to have some of these experiences and it's so beautiful. It's so instructive. It really can change your. Uh, moment to moment life and that's the point that is the point is your lived moment to moment experience different now uh and and hopefully the answer is yes and hopefully the answer is in your behavior and your experience 
you are qualitatively better than you were before. And if that's not happening, what's the point of even talking about it, right? Like if even uh -huh. pretending, you know, and I think sometimes people through drugs or through, you know, whatever practices may have these um, really deep and powerful experiences, but then they just sort of um, lose the point and mm -hmm. lose track of it. Uh, and it's funny, I'm very practical. And even in my own teaching uh, with my students and with the people I work with, I'm, I'm saying if I'm not helping you become independent of me, then I'm not a good teacher. The whole point should be that you never need me again. <laughs> That's my goal, um, is I want to help you qualitatively have a better life and not need me to have that continue for the rest of your life better and better, better all the time. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone who's not offering you that, I think you should just question deeply, like, what is their goal? What's their motivation? <laughs> right? Absolutely. It's to make a buck. That's their motivation. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I had to battle that, too. I was like, I shouldn't even be making money and I shouldn't charge for any of my gifts or whatever. And I eventually had to really do a lot of work around it. To say like no just like anybody with any skill set if i'm offering something i should get something back and i should feel good about that and if i'm attaching shame and guilt to it and i'm feeling bad about it i'm gonna attract absolutely the worst people anyway mm -hmm. so you know if i have a fair price for what i'm providing and people feel fair about it and they're engaging with it and we're both getting something beautiful out of it especially with that goal of really freeing you um you freeing yourself really uh then i think that's all very fair but we do we have a lot of garbage wrapped up in that too like you should never any spiritual thing should never somehow be paid for but if we get just slightly over into a different realm and call it science now it should be paid for well like there's really no difference though in fact science is almost always heading towards what really truly spiritual thinkers you know they often end up converging and so there's no real difference between spirituality and science uh, in the end. And I don't mean to belittle science. I think science is a really important process. And we're you know constantly learning more, improving more, and finding more and more evidence than we always should be. But it's just interesting well, you know, that they do sort of converge, but that we have these very, very different, we, we completely divide them. Science is this, spirituality is this. Spirituality should be free. Science we can pay for. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Yeah, they're definitely gonna. You can't have one without the other because you are basically the same thing. When you're looking for an origin or source of creation, you can't separate the two. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Have you ever, sort of like along the extended master thing, like you know, I sort of, if somebody's calling them themselves that, I kind of automatically dismiss it. Yeah. <laughs> but I have interviewed people that have had profound effects on me just by talking to them. Have you ever had that experience? Absolutely. I, um, I have that experience on the people I work with, which I'm always humbled to hear. <laughs> um, you know, I'm grateful to be able to be a channel for that because I don't think it's us doing it. You know, I think that the more we're present and the more we're clear and the more we're intentional about being that channel, that literally is just, source coming through us for this person um and that that's the that's how you keep humble and keep doing it in my opinion is is knowing that and being you know kind of detached from it but um but definitely you can feel it you know and this is another thing people ask me like well who do i trust you know like how do i know and i'm like well get in touch with yourself a hundred percent of people you don't have to be an empath 
I kind of hate that word too, right? Empath, yeah, intuitive. <laughs> I like them when they're useful to describe something, but I hate them as a label. Mm -hmm. Like, I am an empath. Well, 100% of people are empaths. <laughs> We're just in various stages of knowing it and feeling it and, and perceiving it, right? Like, you're always, your body, your soul, whatever you think is going on in your consciousness, it's perceiving this information 100% of the time. You just don't always trust it. You don't always listen to it. You're not in a habit necessarily of, of, of listening and knowing how to, to trust it. Um, and that's where your division from it comes from. But it's still there happening. You're just not perceiving it. It's just like someone, if you're in pain for a long time, you can start to completely turn that sensation off uh, and stop feeling it altogether. It's still there. And when you want to go check in with it, oh, yep, that still hurts. Uh, and now <laughs> detach from it again. I didn't want to feel that. You can do that with any sense. And we've all been taught seemingly in this society to not see auras, not feel energy and not do these things and be more and more detached. And some people are more gifted than others. Sure. But everyone can feel this. And I just say, just just start to feel get in your body and really sit. We've all had these experiences where someone's walked into the room and we've been like, Ugh. and we don't even know them. But we're like, oh, I don't like mm -hmm. that person. Right. Babies do it all the time. Babies will like look around, they'll happy, happy. And then someone comes up to them and they just start screaming. And like, maybe their stomach hurts at that moment, but sometimes it's because that person has really bad energy and they're like, I don't like this. I don't want to be around this. This is bad. And we've had the opposite, right? Where we walk into and we meet someone and we're like, wow, oh, I just love this person. This person is so inviting. Or I just feel good around them. Like I mm -hmm. want to be around them more. And we've had those feelings too. And so you can use that intuition. That's what intuition is, is sensing this energy. That's a very real energy. And you can just check in with your feeling. How do you feel? How does this person make you feel? And I've had an even, even better advice given to me by uh, some of my own teachers who said, and you, you can apply this to dentists, to doctors, to like, you know, anybody you want, friends, whatever, and just say, what is that person's life like? What is their personality like? What is their life like? What do they seem to be experiencing most of the time? They seem fun to me. I like their hair. They seem healthy. If I had to have their life, I would like it. It would be cool. So I will choose that person as a teacher. On the contrary, if you look at them and you're like, eh, they're kind of always in some, some shit. Like, I don't, I don't know. They're like, seem to be kind of shy. Their life is falling apart. They can't even like think to the house or whatever. It's not a good teacher because mm. <laughs> whatever they're creating for themselves, that's all they have to offer you. Um, and so if you don't like what they're creating for themselves, you probably don't want to create it for yourself either. And you probably want to go to a different teacher or a different doctor, or, you know, whatever it might be. So there's a little bit easier, you know, less woo-woo sort of way of doing it. But we all have that ability. We can all trust ourselves when we have those feelings uh, for the most part. Interesting. That might be the best dating advice anybody's ever given me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Use it for your dates Cause, as cause, well. Because that seems to be where I screw up the most. <laughs> like, I really like you, but you're homeless and on heroin, huh? <laughs> no offense to homeless heroin addicts. I get it. I've, I've been there. <laughs> wow. Um, so one of the other things I noticed on your website is that you read tarot cards. Yes. Which I do, too. Which I'll would make me assume that you are somewhat familiar with the occult. Yes, um, I would say so. And there are not many of us out there that are not just into UFOs and consciousness and the quantum stuff, but there's very few people that are into that and also 
very familiar with the occult and things like the Kabbalah and and all the other mythologies that exist around the world that seem to be very similar. And one of the things that I always wonder about is how did people thousands of years ago know what we're just figuring out now? You ever ask that question and wonder why and what is your take on that? Yeah, it's really fascinating. I really feel like the world was much more magical in the past. You know, and I, I think this has been a slow degradation, whether it's because we're in a dark age, right? That idea that we're like had light, bright, bright, light, beautiful ages, and then dark, decrepit, horrible ages, and that this is just the passage of time. Or whether it's intentional or a little bit of both. Um, and it seems like both to me that uh, we've become more and more separate from, distance from, and degraded from a, a place where we were deep, deeply more connected to ourselves uh, and to the world and to therefore spirituality. Because it's funny, the deeper you go into material uh, uh, physics even, right, or chemistry or any of these things, uh, you do start to find these things that seem pretty spiritual <laughs> and seem like miracles and seem really yeah. uh, like that couldn't have been an accident. And um, people who are still connected to the earth and the material and the real, you know, what we might call like the drudgery of life, those people tend to have exceptionally more spiritual skills and presence and awareness in their life. Um, the people who are still living, you know, in the trees and out in the forest and, and whatnot, they've still got shamans usually. And when we've gone and we've even taken our technology and we filmed them doing their shamanic stuff, there's weird things we can't explain. Like lights will fly into them when they start their trance and like, <laughs> And we can see energy like on video coming from their hands and stuff. And that this isn't even weird to them. They're like, yeah, that's a Tuesday. I just healed Mo like he was sick. <laughs> you know, like this is not a big deal at all. And here we're in this place where we're like, oh, I can't even imagine that someone could be psychic. And I'm like, really? You can't imagine that? Like, <laughs> it seems obvious to me that there are people and always have been. But we're more and more removed from this. And I think that we had this deeper connection and that we had day-to-day, moment-to-moment, more understanding of consciousness and, and what we might call magic and miracles um, or spirit around us and that we engaged with our ancestors and we engaged with our, you know, the wogies or whatever these UFO things are and, um, and all of these energies and that that wasn't strange to us. Uh, and there were just some people who were better at it than others, but everybody kind of understood it and knew that it was a real lived experience. And so I think that the occult is that right? It's this deep uh, living alongside of an understanding of magic and spirit um, and just the, the various ways that it can express and that we can sort of use it or work with it in order to hopefully better our lives and not mm -hmm. make them worse. There's some dark, dark magicians and dark occultists out there that are doing exactly the opposite. And that's always been true too. Um, but I do, I think these things just emerge from nature i think they emerge from life and living and they emerge from consciousness and that's why there's so much similarity every single tradition every single um ethnic you know every single culture everything around the world they go this is all really the same thing <laughs> right it's just different slightly different takes on the exact same thing and you just see it over and over and by the 20th time you've seen it you're like well this is this is just a fact of uh, our experience, our reality, yeah. you know, uh, and when you start to sort of, I've had people, or I've seen things where that people will compare like different runes or um, 
you know, maybe like angelic letters or whatever, two different molecules or different like states of atomic, mm-hmm. you know, stability or whatever and structure. And, and it's kind of like, huh, like it literally seems to be coming from everything all the time. This is just how it looks. This is how it expresses. And this is the energy of it and the message of it. Um, and that's just what it is. So hopefully that wasn't too obscure of an answer. No, no, it makes, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to me. Actually, one of the things that I think has not been talked about enough or researched enough or, or, or even elaborated on is sacred geometry. You know, I mean, that's just one of those things that, you know, that's the grand design or the equation or whatever you want to call it. Yes. Or the structure which Mm -hmm. energy of a sufficient complexity and purity will take. Right. Because it's like the, I think of how electricity in any sort of circuit will take the shortest route. Mm -hmm. How does it know? I don't know. It just does. Right. (laughs) So it just (laughs) does that. Um, and I think that's similar to how these things express, like, with this level of purity of energy, it just will take that form. It just will look like this platonic solid or this, you know, sacred form. And we're like, why, why? That's just what it does. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, this is why, why people who go deep enough into a study of any kind, geometry or physics or any of these things, will eventually, if they're if they're honest enough, come out the other side and go, I'm a believer. There's a God like this. There is no way this all works this perfectly. There's no way that's an accident, um, you know, or that this is just a me- mechanistic empty void that happens to have heat and like, you know, matter that formed into spheres. And no, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate that about people who are really deep into any of these studies that have that really deep um, reverence, right? This awe that's created by that study is beautiful. Wow. With all, I'm asking this, I'm going to ask you sort of a personal question, just for my own benefit, actually, because I'm going to be selfish. <laughs> <laughs> With everything that you know and everything that you've experienced, do you ever find yourself in situations where you make the wrong decision and then later on beat yourself up because you're like, with everything I know, I knew better. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> All the time. I was just explaining to someone the other day. I was like, it wasn't that long ago. It was like last year. I'm like a spiritual teacher. I'm a healer. I go into ceremony for people. I do this show. I do tarot and all this stuff. And I love crystals and all of the very, very uh, trendy new age stuff that I hate. I am. Uh, <laughs> and so... <laughs> You know, but I was out driving like a year ago and, um, you know, we all had to merge over and, uh, you know, in my head, we like zipper, right? I'm in front of you. I get in front of you. Uh, this person wasn't letting me in. And I turned around and I was like, what? Why? And they were like, like vile, just string of, of obscenities at me. And so I was like, I went back to my like, you know, ghetto, <laughs> younger, super troubled fighting self. And I was like, oh, what? And I like was going to jump out of the car and fight this girl. And I was screaming obscenities back at her. And I was like, wow, I could just go right back to that so easily as far as I've come. Um, And it really, it was hilarious. And it was also a little depressing that I was so childish all of a sudden. Um, And I really had to laugh because I really, I really hate people who pretend to be 
like so spiritual that they just never have any drama, never have any anger. And like, <laughs> I just feel like that's so fake. And I feel like when you're not really, truly radically honest with yourself about where you're at, you're never going to move forward. You're never going to get past that. If you can't look at it and honestly describe it, then you're never going to get past it. And I also feel like there's a reason to share things like that, failings like that with people in the public. And, and, you know, my, my show, I'll, I'll share these things often too, because I want to remind people this, um, whatever path you think you're on, it's like circular and recursive and you may get to some really high height and you may go way back to some really deep depth and you, and it's, and you can't judge yourself for that. So this is a natural expression of your energy on its path, right? We we're talking about it takes the shortest route, like this is your route. And if you pretend you're not on it and you pretend you're not experiencing these things, you're just going to be stuck. You're going to be stuck in delusion. Um, so yes, I absolutely make mistakes and sometimes ones that are very disappointing to me. Um, and they're all connected to, you know, these emotional uh, and mental uh, wounds that I still have and I'm still healing. Um, and I think that that's the, another aspect of, of karma, what we would call karma. Um, you know, I created these wounds and they have repercussions in material, physical reality and soul reality for however long until they're truly healed. Uh, when they're truly healed, and you can truly release that. You know, I'll stop screaming at random women on <laughs> the road who, who won't let me in. Um, and, uh, you know, I measure parts of my healing by my behaviors, like I was saying earlier, my lived moment to moment, my behaviors, my experiences, and are they getting better? Uh, and if there's ha habits or behaviors or triggers that are not getting better, then I really try to look deeper at those and say, okay, why am I doing this? Like, why do I react like this? So what is it inside of me that is uh, still hurt? Because if I was not wounded somewhere, I would not be doing that. I just wouldn't be. And that's the truth. So it's not like a, how good of a person are you? It's not that at all. It's how healed are you? And in this world, it's really hard to heal. We have almost constant assault on our everything, our mind, heart, body, and soul from all angles in this world. It's really, really difficult to keep from being further wounded in this world. <laughs> We're surrounded by people who are wounded and wounded people tend to wound others. And then we also surrounded by all of this, um, all kinds of levels of filth in various ways. And so it's hard to heal and it's hard to have time to heal. And, and healing really does take time and presence and intention to sit with this thing. You know, when I say like, I try to figure out where that wound is, I try to follow it back to its source. I really do go sit in meditation and I try to follow it back to its source. And I try to find the root of it in my consciousness, in my lived experience and really bring healing there intentionally. And if you don't do that, it doesn't heal. So there's a, there's an aspect of um, psychotherapy and uh, PTSD therapy, which I've been through both, that are really similar to what we do in spiritual healing. And they're all founded on that same principle. And any spiritual healer that, that's worth their, their salt is, um, is doing the same thing. And, and all of three of them are, are what they're really focused on is finding the root of a wound and bringing intention and healing and love there to release it so that it travels all the way back to this moment and you actually feel that relief and you actually have that. And when you next meet that same type of trigger or um, stimulus, you don't react like that because you don't have that wound anymore. And so if you're not experiencing that 
very much very real lived difference in your experience you're not healing and your healer isn't a healer and you're not healing yourself so um there's my convoluted answer to that question <laughs> yeah that makes sense i'm just trying to picture what a hood Lindsay would look like <laughs> people don't people don't even believe me sometimes i'm like even that i used to smoke cigarettes they're like you no you didn't i'm like um that was the least of what i did <laughs> that's <laughs> very funny. many dark years that's like me too i mean I, I was a growing up i was like an angry punk rock heavy metal teenager and you know i, I smoked cigarettes I, I i took drugs and and if I had access to, like, nuclear bombs, I would have just nuked the entire planet and called it a day because I was so angry at everything. And I don't know why. I really don't know why. But And that still comes back for me. Sometimes I get frustrated. And then I beat myself up because I'm like, man, I should know better than this. I'm supposed to be, like, the spiritual dude. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Well, it's because it's not about what you know. If it was about what you know, you'd be you'd be a god already, right? Like we know so much, um, but it's about what you are feeling. The wound is in your emotional body and your mental body. And um, when I do ceremony for people, I'm really going into their mental and spiritual and emotional space. And um, and it's really you know again not me. It's their guides, my guides, whatever you want to call these things. They're showing me here. Here is the wound. It's in a past life often it's in a very early in this life often um it's both often <laughs> and because these things repeat until we heal them uh and then you know we're finding that and we're just bringing that love bringing that light bringing that awareness and bringing that back to the person then well here's the root of your wound uh and we've brought healing there and you're uh, you know i often watch them on the soul level like take it back into themselves this thing that um almost usually seems like they've cut it out or cut it off which is, again, going back to that denial that we're all so good at it. <laughs> we were like, no, I actually don't want to experience this. So I'm just going to avoid it for the rest of time. Well, you can't. You cannot avoid your experience. You can't avoid your truth. It will always come back. And it will come back in the form of these wounds or these experiences where we're like, why am I doing this again? I know better. I know better. I can't stop doing this for some reason. And this is why. Because our, our, our mind, our knowledge of what we should and shouldn't do cannot ever change what's happening on the soul and the emotional level ever never 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 you have to bring healing to it so it's like time travel you have to go back to find the root the wound the root um and you have to heal it you have to reintegrate it into yourself um so i i used to hear spiritual people talking about this and i was like oh yeah you're totally like doing something i'm sure like i just was like yeah right uh, and then I, again, when I did my own psychotherapy and PTSD therapy for my own traumas, I realized oh, this is all anyone's doing. This is all any of it is, is, is going back and finding those roots and healing them. And it's so nice. It's so nice. That's why I can go from having done just way too many drugs for way too long and smoking and fighting and all of these things to this place where I would I would never ever do any of that again, not because I'm like trying to be sober, but because I don't even I don't even know why I would ever want to do any of none of that sounds good to me in any way. Because I feel so mm. good and I have no wounds that are compelling me to live in denial uh, as they did then. 
you know, so again, you see the results, you live the results. It's not something you're like digging in your nails and trying to be better. It just release and you are better. That's ascension. You know, if you're not experiencing that, then uh, I don't know what your ascension is worth. <laughs> mm. Interesting. You just really messed with my head pretty much. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> no. Hopefully in a good way. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, I've been struggling with something and I think you kind of pointed out what the obvious answer is. Something that I thought I had dealt with, but apparently I haven't. Yes, well, this happened to me, too. I was like, I've dealt with all my trauma. I know my yeah. traumas. I've been to counseling. I know what they are. I know me how too. I feel. Right, yeah. But, but I'm well, still acting out in the wrong way on it. I don't... Huh. You have not... You it's just, it's have, just so weird that you gave me this weird <laughs> <laughs> You still have that piece of you that you had cut off and rejected, and it's waiting to be brought back in. Yeah. Oh. Which oh. I'll also say anyone can do on their own. You don't have to have a therapist mm -hmm. or a PTSD person or me. You know, we can, I'll help. If you want me to help, I'll help, right? Mm -hmm. But but you don't, no one needs that. You can just go bring yourself back to that time and do your own reintegration and love love bath. And you can ask your own allies and God and whoever you love to, to help and support that process too. Hmm. Well, you may just solve one of my biggest problems what i live for <laughs> <laughs> that's wild yeah like you know i would, i don't know i mean as far as like I, I still revert back to that old way i mean um i will admit that uh i mean I, I i too have been sober for a long time but if i had the chance just to do angel dust one more time <laughs> you do it <laughs> i don't know if i would do it but <laughs> <laughs> I would be tempted. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the way to measure, right? Because I spent years in that state, too, where I'm like, I don't do drugs. But if they were right in front of me and I didn't have to work, like, probably do. <laughs> There's no consequences here. Um, and now I truly am. I quit drinking even. Me and too. I was like, weird. I never thought I would not drink. Because, uh, again, it's like cigarettes. Like, these are the lightest of my evils or whatever my vices. Um, but I don't even want to. I don't even want to sip. I'm just like, that doesn't do anything for me. Like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and what it does do is usually destructive. So uh, it's just no, there's no desire. And the difference between, you know, uh, a sobriety where you're fighting for it every day and you're like desperately holding on to it and a sobriety where you just genuinely have no urge at all and it could be right in front of you and you wouldn't even consider it. They're very qualitatively different states of being. Mm -hmm. And again, I this is my... Uh, gripe with a, a lot of the 12-step programs i love them they help me a lot they help a lot of people a lot um but they are not an answer at all <laughs> they're a step to get like you know a little bit of distance from this thing and a little bit of perspective from this thing and it does bring some healing and in fact embedded in the process is something similar to this you know retrieval going back and finding the root and trying to heal it there's some of that in there but it's not really that and it's not very deep and it's not very expressly um offered or outlined um and i do think you know to be fully healed you do have to do this deeper level of healing and i know it's not very popular to to point it out but i don't support or agree with the uh disease version of addiction um in in my lived experience and a hundred percent of people i've worked with and myself it it's always coming from a root of trauma or wounding that isn't healed it's not a disease it's a 
It's a very, very um, simple reaction to a deep wound. And until you heal that wound, you're always going to have that fight inside of you to keep yourself from going back. Hmm. I mean, I, too, have a lot of gripes with 12-step programs, even though I might be guilty of attending. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes I piss a lot of people off because I complain about how outdated <laughs> some of yes. it is. You know, like, like some of it's just we obviously know that information is incorrect, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just like 100 years old. It's like, come on. Um. I mean, the, the parts that I do find useful are being around people that are trying to see, achieve the same goal. Because I think, like, you know, I can't lift up a car by myself, but maybe with a couple other people I could, kind of logic. And um, and I think the other thing that, that has been, like, 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 like the angel dust thing. Like, I know for some reason, you know, I, I know that I couldn't just do it once. I know once I start that process over again, I can't stop, you know. And, and how to identify that, I don't know. Maybe it's just compulsive behavior. I have no idea. Yeah. No, I'm, I was definitely the same. <laughs> I was, like, selling things to go get more Coke. And, yeah, um, it's, it is compulsive. And it's uh, addictive for a reason. And this is also why people abuse things and are, are addicted to things that are not substances, right? Like we have porn addiction and we mm -hmm. have um, all kinds of things. And they're all manifestations of that same exact principle that there is a wound there that isn't healed. And so you're having this compulsive um, reaction and it's super destructive uh, because, again, you are destroyed, actually, and you're ignoring it. There are pieces of you that have been um, removed and are separate from you. And, and the truth is... There's no separation and they're not gone, but because you won't consciously accept them as a part of yourself and, and let them heal, uh, you're just constantly living in this cycle of harming yourself and running into denial, further denial, you know, further separation, further disconnection. Because we all know the truth. Again, we all, we're all empathic, we're all intuitive. We all have access to all the same information all throughout the universe, whatever you want to call the Akashic records or feel like that's all in us and around us, we know it. Uh, we just live in various stages of awareness of it uh, and denial of it. And so we're, we're all healing. We're all healing old wounds. And again, some of them come from previous lives and we're repeating. And so sometimes people are like, but nothing traumatic happened to me. Like nothing bad has happened in my life, really. You know, some people die here and there. It's normal. It wasn't in a traumatic way or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but you have this huge trauma from this past life and that doesn't go away it carries with you unless you healed it and released it in that life and then it doesn't mm. but if you didn't like if this huge trauma happened to you and then you died for example you're probably going to repeat that same pattern until you can bring your conscious awareness to it and release it um it just yeah it'll it'll send us into all kinds of addictions addiction to people who hold the same energy pattern as the people from our previous traumas. Because again, it's, it's actually efficient and effective. If you think of it, you're trying to attract a situation which you did not solve previously because something in you knows you still need to solve it. <laughs> so you're like, okay, well, I'm going to repeat this then. Here's another abusive person. <laughs> again, you know, and this is what led me to my own healing is I was like, why? Even though I know better, I know I don't want abuse. I hate abusive people. I hate abuse. I don't like being abused. I want to never do this again. 
And yet, 100% of the times I date someone, they are abusive. How is that even possible? You know, like, how did I choose the abusive people? I meant not to, and I did it again. They looked different. They seemed different. Their behaviors were different. They were the exact same person again. Oh, finally, I see. Well, because I was abused before, and I never healed it. And I'm sitting here trying to fortify. My soul is trying to arrange over and over again. Here's another opportunity. Please heal this. This is karma, right? It's not a punishment. It's that you chose this at some point, you created it at some point, and then you never, ever went back to it, and you just left it festering there. And so it's going to just keep repeating. Another way to think of it is like everything has its energy. It sends off this energy, this sound or whatever it is. Um, and that energy is going to keep emanating. It ripples out and it ripples out and, it, and it's just sitting there festering. It's going to ripple out fester, 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 like, you know, wound, wound, wound. And you can't get rid of that information until you get rid of that information. You have to go to the source of the information and release it. Um, so however that looks for various people, there's so many thousands of ways to get that healing. Um, you know, what I do is one of them, therapists is one of them, sitting on the beach by yourself or, you know, like in the woods by a waterfall by yourself and just asking yourself, like, please just show me, help me find this and heal it. Or, you know, you can do this on your own too. Like, and there's so many modalities and so many healers and so many different things. And the truth is, uh, any healer and any good healer will say this is, is not healing you, right? The healer is actually showing you how to heal yourself. And this is part of why I love it so much, because from that point forward, just like the wound festered and gave out that information, your healing of yourself grows and gives out that information. And now you have every other growth is more accessible to you. And every other wound healing is more accessible to you because now you've got this one. And then you can just keep riding that wave into infinity and healing yourself forever. Makes sense. So what do you think about this, the, the trend of people using things like... Um, ayahuasca and these other type of psychedelics to try to heal themselves do you think that is a legitimate way for for people to heal or do you think that um you know like what you're saying is like like you know going through life and identifying it and then noticing it and then healing it ourselves consciously um is do you, so i mean like those yeah. two methods like do you think uh the the other one is just another escape like the ayahuasca yeah. and the drugs and stuff. It definitely can be, but it can also be this wonderful healing modality. So it is just another tool. And so we're all drugs, honestly. There's no drug that exists that isn't a good tool in some settings and some applications, right? Mm -hmm. um, even angel dust. Uh, so <laughs> so um, I think ayahuasca is another one of these tools. And I think, um, you know, it seems obvious to me it exists for a reason. Um, all of these plant medicines and substances exist for a reason and that, and they give us these experiences for a reason. Those experiences are things that we want to have for a reason. Um, but you can have a hundred percent of the experiences you can have on drugs without drugs, hundred percent of mm -hmm. them. People are like, no, not DNT. Yeah. Every drug, every time you've ever been high, it's not the drug that's doing anything to you. The drug is providing the connector. So the chemical can cross the boundary and jump into your system. That's it. The chemical is already in you then now it's released. Um, so you can do that on your own too, without drugs. And that's why people who are, you know, yogis and ascended masters or whatever can do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, they can experience anything. But, um, but if you need that, 
in order to heal and this shortcut can help you immensely, um, I think you'll be called to it. I think it'll appear in your life. And I think that it will be obvious to you that that's something that you should do. If you have any doubt about it, if you're like hesitant or you're like, I don't know, then it's not something you should do. And if you're going to use it because you're like, I want that, like this is now an ego trip for me. I want to be the person who does ayahuasca because I want to tell people I did ayahuasca <laughs> and then I want to tell them about my trip and then I want to be the that person who like goes to Brazil and does ayahuasca. Like that's probably <laughs> not the right way to do it either. <laughs> um, and so I think it can be any of those things. It can be an escape and a distraction. It can be a deepening into your delusion mm -hmm. and it can be a release and a, and a pure healing and, um, I should clarify that you can both be like called to it and it can come into your life and you can also feel hesitant about that and it could still be a good thing. But I just mean, if you're like, I don't think I want to like, just trust that you don't have to, your life and your soul are powerful enough to bring you whatever experience you need. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be in the form of ayahuasca or whatever, <laughs> you know, deep trip. But I do, I think any of those can be a, a powerful tool of, for, for healing. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of get some pretty good results just from using like binaural beats and altering my brain waves that way as I would from putting a chemical in my body. Yeah. I love um, hemisync, especially. Yeah. I know some people really don't like Robert Monroe for some reason, but I don't really care. Because uh, <laughs> it's very effective. And if anyone hasn't tried that, um, any of the hemisync products. I especially like the, the waves. I think it's waves. Mm -hmm. I can't remember now what it's called. They're really, really effective for out of body, for regression therapy, for all sorts of things you can do with yourself. Um, just on your own, just with these tools. Unless Absolutely. you're me. My guys are like, no, not even that. You can't do that either. I'm like, God, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> not, not allowed to escape yet. <laughs> <laughs> you always end up back <laughs> yeah <laughs> ah, pretty cool so before we wrap this up where can my listeners find you well roguewaves.org is my site and it's uh, ways as in pathways not waves rogue waves were the inspiration for the name but it's roguewaves.org uh, and uh, rogue waves is also my show I do it Sunday Tuesday at 7pm mountain and then on Thursdays I do my show middle path which is much more about the types of things that we've just talked about and, um, and teaching people to, you know, do for themselves and, and to be more present and to be, become more healed. Uh, and so we just talk about, you know, spiritual path and, and how to apply it to our lives. Um, and so that's on Thursdays at 7 PM mountain and all of them are available on Rockfin, YouTube, Odyssey, all these different places, uh, and on any podcast app as well. Um, but I also do, as I've said many times, offer blessings and healings. I do ceremony for people. Um, and sometimes that can look like past life regression and soul retrieval, as we kind of touched on a little. Um, I do tarot readings and I also just do what I call guidance sessions. So they're mm -hmm. more more like a talk therapy sort of situation. But um, sometimes I get you know messages for people from their guides in that space and sometimes we use a little bit of tarot but it's it's better for people who already have sort of a a spiritual foundation and understanding but maybe they're going through especially a spiritual set of experiences that they're like having trouble with or not understanding that can be really good for them or if you just like to talk about these things and you just want to get some more perspective and uh, depth in that too. The guidance session is good. So I have all of that. And then I also have my five books that I've written 
the most recent one was a channeled um <laughs> a channeled oracle for anybody to use to get answers and messages from their you know highest source themselves wow. and that's called all endings are beginnings and you can get it on amazon or barnes and nobles or any of these places but if you buy it from me directly on the site i just do a little channeled inscription for you at the beginning uh which is a nice little touch and it's no more expensive as far as i remember than buying it anywhere else so i do prefer if people buy it directly from me and it's just it's cool you can just ask a question open the book get the answer or ask no question and just open the book and get um, a message for the day and so it's a really powerful tool i love hearing the stories from people who buy it uh and they'll write to me and be like oh my god every single day it's like exactly right on to what my question was the answer or whatever and i, I people send me these stories and they're really they're really cool to hear because i feel very honored to have um you know been the channel for that to come through for people so i i really love that book but they're all available on the site as well as so much more i make orgone i do crystal jewelry that's also blessed and has a, a higher energy infused into it and so uh, all those things are on rogueways.org awesome well i have the links to all that and those will be in the notes to this episode so my listeners can find you and um thank you for coming on yeah, thanks for having me. It's really nice to meet you, Gary. And um, thanks to your audience for being around and being here and being them. You know, it takes each one of us to uh, make the world a brighter place. So I'm, I'm appreciative of all of you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, hang on for one moment and I just have to play the outro. Enlightenment Gear.